The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. The truth is that we are in a climate emergency. We have less than 10 years to make substantial changes to our society and way of life and our economy. I want to stress from the outset that this pandemic is far from over. Those who have never fought for the colours, they fly. Should be careful about criticising those who have. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Roger Hearing. Good afternoon, I'm Ewan Potts. So Boris Johnson is addressing the party faithful on the final day of the Conservative conference with a message of the need for a different sort of economy. He's pushing for a high-wage, high-productivity Britain, and he's putting the onus, and indeed the blame, on British business to sort it out. And the party's ending its conference with promises of building back better and raising taxes if necessary in order to do that. So many are wondering if Conservatives are coming away from Manchester, perhaps not entirely sure they're in the right party. Much of this, after all, would sit pretty easily in a Labour manifesto. Well, joining us now is Bell Ribeiro Addy, who is Labour MP for Stratton. Bell, welcome to the programme and thanks for being with us today. Is there a sense that Boris Johnson has rather stolen your clothes? Oh, absolutely not. Um, I wouldn't say that at all. If you if you listen uh, quite clearly to what he's saying, he's still along the same old uh, conservative track. Uh, you know, at, at the moment we're seeing with the universal universal credit and and some of the other announcements that the poorest are going to suffer the most, and that's what's usually happened under a conservative government. It, it doesn't sound like Labour policies at all to me. Corporate tax rises, more money for the NHS, rumours of a minimum wage hike, all stuff that you'd be quite pleased with. Yes, however, we think about what they really mean under this government. More money for the NHS after you've starved it isn't actually giving it more money. Um, Corporate tax rises, whilst there are still many loopholes for for, for large companies, um, also not more money into the public's coffers. It's just smoke and mirrors, really. Would you support a, a big rise in the minimum wage? It was something, after all, that was debated quite fiercely uh, at the Labour conference, and it didn't get through. Um, absolutely, I would support that rise. Uh, however, the, the level to which Boris Johnson has said that's committed to is simply not enough. I support a £15 rise. I know that's not even what was proposed um, at party conference. I know that's not what passed, but you'll find that many Labour Party members support that rise too. So £30,000 a year for, for, for everybody, that's, you, you think that's, that, that's affordable? It, it, well, do you know, in, it, what I've seen definitely throughout the pandemic, um, it, all, all this time there seems to be money somewhere. There seems to be uh, opportunity. There seem to have been many, many opportunities for, for us to create situations where the government was assisting with funds. And actually, we've also seen there are many, many companies that aren't paying their fair share of tax. The reality is the cost of living is going up and wages have to go up to match that. If we continue down a track where people are being paid less and less um, than what they have to put out there, um, there are going to be more and more people in poverty. And we don't want to see more of that. I mean, our food banks 
um, as a female work, then it must increase usage ever. More and more people report not being able to, to, to stay afloat. Uh, you know, we've got furlough ending at the moment. We've got, um, we've had a situation where people were not being evicted. That's happening at the moment. There's going to be more and more people who cannot afford to live by their own means and will eventually have to depend on the state. Surely it makes more sense to pay people better so they can properly fund their own lives. Uh, Bell, one of the interesting things about what, what the Conservatives are doing is the policies are clearly intended to keep on board the former Labour voters who went Tory in the, in the Red Wall constituencies in 2019. And it is actually going to make it more difficult for your party to win back those voters, isn't it? Um, I, don't, I don't think that we have an easy feat at all winning back voters, but I do believe that we can do that with, with a strong, um, a positive, well-costed uh, agenda. I do think we need to be clearer about what it is uh, that we're asking for what it is that we're going to put to, to our voters. But most importantly, I believe that it's possible to show that what the Tories are putting for, forward is completely false and that Labour can actually offer a positive um, alternative that works for, for people right across the country. We just need to be bolder in saying so. I spent a bit of time at the conference uh, in Manchester and whilst not all Conservatives I spoke to are entirely happy with the direction uh, that the party is going. That wasn't that kind of open conflict we saw in Brighton. What is it with 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 Labour and and and, and rows? Well, the main thing I think it is with Labour and rows, and that's and that's uh, beyond the actual rows we're having, is that the media seems so obsessed with it. The reality of the situation is every single political party um, has rows, but. Definitely over the past few years, the media has been able to latch on to, to Labour's rows and, and make it headline news. There are many disagreements amongst Conservative colleagues, and sometimes we actually see those play out um, in votes and, and, and small rebellions. Uh, but, 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 Bell, I mean, they just had to put a the... large group of people don't agree. Yeah, I mean, Bell, I mean, you, you didn't have to, it wasn't just the media creation, the rows at the Labour Party conference. You just had to point a camera at the crowd during Keir's speech to see people shouting and uh, heckling. I mean, that's not unreal, is it? No, that's not unreal. Those things actually did happen. Uh, nobody's saying that at all. All I'm saying is I think that the rows have been sensationalised uh, beyond their actual, um, the actual level that they are. Yes, there are many disagreements, there are many ideological disagreements, but you'll find those disagreements amongst every single political party. I think that if, if the media focused on something else, they'd also see uh, something else. And that's not denying they exist. It's just saying uh, light's been shone on them uh, much more than anything else. So you don't think the disagreements in Labour Party are, are any bigger than they are in other parties? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Um, I just believe that they're focused on uh, more than others. I, I, I do believe that we, as a party, do need to get to a place uh, where, the, where the majority of actual uh, members agree. Absolutely, but I, I do think it's been overplayed quite a bit. Well, let's, I mean, let's talk about getting to that place you talk about there, because a lot of people still feel, after the conference, Labour's conference, that they don't have a very clear view of what Labour is or what Labour stands for under Keir Starmer, uh, in contrast to the way that they feel they probably do know what the Conservatives stand for. Well, um, I, I, I do worry about that. I absolutely agree that is that is an issue, and that's because there are diverse 
opinions. But I think one thing you can find in terms of a common thread is that the people who are members of the Labour Party, um, including the leadership and the members of, of, of Parliament, all want to get to a place where, where people in this country have better living standards overall. They're just differences um, about how we get there. In the Conservative Party, they say this is what they're going to do, but in their actual actions um, and their actual policies, we see something completely different. And we see that a lot of the time what they're putting forward, as I said before, is smoke and mirrors uh, to actually uh, dis- distract from what, what they're doing, which is funneling a lot more money to people who already have it. Uh, that I think is, is is more important than anything. Uh, the fact that we may disagree amongst ourselves exactly about how to get there doesn't change from what we want to do for people across the country. It was pretty clear from Brighton that Keir Starmer wants to move the party in a more in a more centrist direction. Do you worry that the party is not going to be radical enough at the next election? Um, I do worry um, because, as, as as you rightly pointed out uh, at the beginning. Uh, making the Tory pledges, and they've they've been at this for a couple of years now, they make it sound like it's as close to Labour policy as possible, and that's that's just use of rhetoric. It's the way they're framing it, but it's not. And if we don't present a very clear, and actually, yes, to be quite frank, um, very, very desperate times do cause for for radical measures, radical uh, policies moving forward to, 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 you know, shift uh, the situation in society at the moment, I do think we, we risk being ignored. Bell, let me move you at the end to something a little bit different, which is obviously about women's safety. I know it's an issue very close to your heart. Uh, Pretty Patel, the Home Secretary, announced an inquiry into what happened with Wayne Cousins and the police. And we also know that the Met themselves have launched an inquiry into police culture. Is any of this enough? Um, yeah, I, 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 I welcome the inquiry. I hope that it's a truly independent one, as we've seen over the past couple of years, serious incidences when there have been um, inquiries put forward. Uh, the, the, the Conservative Party have obviously you know, restricted things right from the terms of reference. I think that needs to be, um, you know, that now needs to be on the head right, right from the beginning. It has to be very clear, it has to be wide, and it has to make sure that it tackles the problem, and above all, it has to be independent. But the police... Um, talking about their own review, uh, quite frankly, with, 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 with the amount of information that we've found out since Sarah Everard's tragic murder, um, that's, that's marking their own homework. We've found time and time again uh, that there are instances where there are people within the force who have done questionable things who have been allowed to keep their jobs or the matter hasn't been raised at all. They are going to need to look quite seriously at their own institutional failings when it comes to to protecting women, and they need to take a, a deeper look into themselves. And that that may may inquire, require some you know independent looking within themselves as well um, to solve these these issues. Trying to pretend like they do not have institutional issues and that they have oh, one bad apple here and perhaps another bad apple there is not good enough. There's clearly a, a really deep rooted problem and to solve that um it's going to take a lot of work would you feel safe if you were arrested by a a single policeman Um, as a woman and as a black person no i wouldn't feel safe what Hmm. could they do to improve that for you well, the police are, are are meant to be a body that we trust, and you know, myself, I have I have I have had to use the police um, on occasion as a member of parliament. I receive abuse and have had to report this to the police. And the idea is that the police are there to protect us. But if in any way you feel like you're not being treated um, 
equally or fairly because of how you how you may identify, how you may appear, that creates a problem. We need uh, confidence that the police don't don't hold or even if they do hold, don't practice uh, discrimination in, in in the same ways that we are used to. Because if we don't, then all people who may have to approach them for any reason um, may not feel comfortable with them. And I, I think that in order for me to feel comfortable, I'd have to know that they have addressed mm-hmm. issues of misogyny within the force and racism within the force uh, that we've known over a number of years. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. But let's have a look at what else is making news in the world of politics. And Ofcom has unveiled new guidelines for video sharing platforms to keep users safe from harmful videos. The regulator's guidance will help sites and apps stick to new rules to protect users, which were introduced last year. High-profile platforms, TikTok, Snapchat, Twitch, OnlyFans and Vimeo are among those included under the jurisdiction. And the regulator said it was working with companies to understand and find better technical solutions around age verification. Well, companies that help university and college students to cheat by ghostwriting essays are to be criminalised under new government proposals. The Department for Education announced that so-called essay mills, businesses that provide paid-for assessment writing services, are to be banned in England. The measures will be added to the Skills and Post-16 Education Bill that's currently making its way through Parliament. And civil servants should get off their peloton exercise bicycles and return to work in their offices, the Conservative Party chairman says. Oliver Dowden, who's moved to central office from the Department of Culture in last month's reshuffle, said the government ought to lead by example and urge civil servants to get back to their desks. Mr Dowden disclosed that the party's long-planned move to the north of England would be complete within six months, but he himself would work part of the week in London. Well, talking of the north of England, it's the final day of the Conservatives' first in-person annual conference since the 2019 election in Manchester. And, of course, every conference ends with a big leader's speech. Well, let's discuss this now with Bloomberg Opinion editor Therese Raphael. Therese, thanks uh, very much for joining us again. What's your assessment of the Tories' time uh, in in Manchester? I mean, it's sort of a, a, a almost two conferences or a tale of two conferences because on the one uh, side, this is a, there's quite a celebratory atmosphere. This is the first time they've met in person. Uh, the first conference since Brexit was actually uh, was actually done, so it's it's quite a big moment that Boris Johnson is addressing um, the, the 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 conference. On the other side, there are some pretty big pressures facing the government, um, rising energy prices, I mean, extraordinarily, uh, you know, big spikes in wholesale energy prices that are going to feed through to consumers. And then there are supply chain problems. And uh, throughout this conference, you've had ministers really picking a fight with business. So, you know, there's, there's the kind of, uh, you know, victory lap and the optimism of the time ahead, and yet this, this kind of sense that winter is coming and, you know, Boris Johnson has to, uh, 
I think in in his speech today, um, really try to move the uh, you know move the conversation away from uh, what he calls temporary problems. I'm not so sure they're 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 very temporary. They will feel temporary to people, and try to focus on what he says are the you know the the bigger opportunities and the challenges to remake the British economy from a low wage, low productivity economy. So you know I think he's going to try to refocus people uh, toward that and. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, tell business that it needs to step up, raise wages, uh, invest in workers, and really sign up to this new post-Brexit vision that, um, you know, they, that he's set out. Well, we were talking just now to Belle Ribeiro, Addy, Labour MP for Streatham, and we, we kind of put to her, you know, is this an issue of the Tories stealing Labour's clothes? And there may be, I guess, many people coming away from Manchester, Therese, feeling that perhaps they might be in the wrong party. This is now a party of high taxation, uh, a party of, of attacking business to some extent, uh, a party of, of high spenders. I mean, it's a very odd moment for the party, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think long-time Tory watchers will probably say there is, there's, you know, no party anywhere in the world that is better at uh, pragmatically remaking itself to suit the electoral moment, and that that is what this party has done under Boris Johnson. But you're right, it's absolutely striking. If you think of, you know, Margaret Thatcher talking about a nation of shopkeepers, uh, the Tories were the guardian of those shopkeepers. It's now telling business in, you know, uh, all but four-letter terms uh, to, you know, pull its boots up and, uh, and, you know, and help out with the leveling up agenda. So I think the Labour Party is left in a very awkward position. The Conservatives have really parked their tanks all over traditional Labour turf. And what we saw in the Labour Party conference was this debate over raising the minimum wage, uh, a conference vote for that. We're, you know, we now expect the Tories to do exactly that. So where does that leave the opposition party? It's, it's, a hard, it's hard to say. Boris Johnson's got quite a, a tightrope to walk, hasn't he? A, a huge number of people have died in a deadly pandemic. Millions are going to be struggling with uh, rising food and energy bills this autumn. But uh, he, will, he will sound optimistic. How, how, how cheery do you think Boris Johnson will, will be? He's, he has this remarkable capacity to be boosterish um, in the most dire of circumstances, and I think you know we don't we, we couldn't get any more solemn and serious than we've had in the past uh, you know eighteen months with the pandemic, and there really is a sense that you know that uh, that you know that phase is is over. We're now in a kind of endemic phase. We're living with COVID. And so I think he's going to use that opportunity to really try to to focus on the positives. That said, you know, the the problems that are coming around the corner, indeed already here as we head into um, autumn and winter are are you know pretty worrying and and you know imagine we get a uh, rise in rates. We heard Andrew Bailey saying he thinks these pressures are temporary, but is you know is very aware to the of the risks of an inflationary spiral. Uh, you know a rise in rates in a country where home ownership is something in the order of I think sixty five percent. You know, not to mention government's uh, debt servicing burden. I mean, that that's not a a, a small uh, matter for this government. So I, I I don't think he can afford to be too um, you know too boosterish when you've got some of the pressures that are uh, that are 
that the consumers are facing now, and as you say, rising taxes, um, uh, confronting businesses, which will feed through as well to consumers. So there, you know, there are a lot of, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of things that could go wrong in the next few months that will put pressure on the government, just as it's trying to show that it can deliver the benefits of Brexit, level up the economy. And so I think, you know, that the, the the focus will very quickly shift from the conference to the budget at the end of the month. Yeah, and in those circumstances, Therese, I mean, it's very interesting. We've been talking about the Conservative Party and where it is for a while. People always say, well, they can keep these, it can be a broad church as long as things are going well. But once the people in in the south, let's say, uh, perhaps looking at their tax bills, the people in the north shivering and, and not being able to afford the gas they need to heat their homes, is this a moment where trying to bring both the Red Wall Tories and traditional Tories together and keep them together just isn't going to work. Absolutely. That's the question that, that I mean, the, the Tories will stick with Johnson. The traditional Tories will stick with Johnson as long as he's delivering winning formulas. But there are, I think, real questions over the loyalty of the Red Wall Tories. As you say, the tax increases hit that area of the country hardest. So will, obviously, the removal of the 20-pound uplift on universal credit, a basic uh, welfare payment, um, which the government is determined to push through. So that's going to hurt. Rising energy prices are going to hurt. So I think if we start seeing um, either some of those red wall seats looking iffy, then... Uh, yeah, then real questions will be raised. But again, you know, come back to what you, you know, what you said earlier. Where do these, uh, you know, where do these voters go if they're not confident in the Labour Party's economic offering? And indeed, the Labour Party isn't uh, really distinguishing itself with something very different. Um, you know, will, will they be inclined to double down on their vote for the Tories? I think that's that's the question. One other thing Boris Johnson mentioned in his BBC interview when he talked about rising wages, he linked it to higher productivity. And I think this is going to be a real key uh, for, you know, how this government gets out of this problem. If, if it can somehow uh, crack the productivity puzzle that's really bedeviled British economics for so long, um, you know, that, then it could start seeing benefits that filter through to the north of the country. I don't think wage increases from businesses alone is going to do that. Um, they're going to need to improve skills and training, R&D, infrastructure. All of that takes time. So this emphasis on wage hikes, um, you know, it, it, it may sell well at the moment, but, you know, real wages are not increasing much above inflation. If, you know, we take the BOE uh, estimate that inflation is going to be about 4% by the end of the year. You mentioned the uh, gas prices soaring again, wholesale gas prices soaring again this morning. D- does the government have a plan to help people with, with rising f- fuel bills and, and the cost of living crisis more generally? Well, at the moment, its plan seems to be to stick with the price cap, which, of course, um, has driving many energy suppliers out of business because the cost of provision is now uh, above what they can actually charge consumers. So that's causing a consolidation in, in, in the supplier industry. I think that's not going to be enough because even, you know, the price cap has gone up again um, in October. It will go up uh, maybe 20% in April. That's going to make a real material difference in uh, the energy uh, uh, cost of, of people and i think in the october budget we're going to 
hear more from the government on what they're going to do to soften that blow. But all over Europe, this isn't just a British problem. Uh, governments are having to figure out what they can do to, you know, make energy affordable this winter because the you know, sevenfold increase uh, on wholesale prices from last winter, that, that's really unprecedented. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.